Welcome to another episode of Let's Watch a B Movie. What movie are we doing? We actually didn't talk about that. Okay, so it is Friday 13, so in, in the spirit of that, we've decided to do Leprechaun in Space. No, yeah, no. I'm just, sounds like a good idea. I was just thinking, I mean, if you think Friday 13th, you think Leprechaun in Space, right? So, when I think Friday 13th, I think Miguel Nunez in Leprechaun in Space. Gotta get him on sometime, so. Family member of my brother, yep. Future special guest host of Let's Watch a B Movie. Probably not. Let's talk about what movie we're doing today. We're doing, surprise, surprise, Friday the 13th. But not the one you think. The remake. The remake. With uh, Danielle Panabaker. I'm sure a lot of people's hearts are very in a, in a flutter because Danielle Panabaker is still a beautiful woman. Actually, I don't know. I haven't seen her since this fucking movie. What is her character's name? Because no one's going to know the Jenna. name. Jenna. Jenna. Okay, yes. Everyone who's watched the Disney Channel knows Danielle Panabaker. I watched the Disney Channel back in the day. Tongue twister. Back when it was good. Back when you had good shows like Aladdin, Goof Troop. So weird. Yeah, once it got to Girl Meets Famous World, Jet Jackson. I was pretty much checked out. It passed me by. And unfortunately, Panorama Baker, she passed me by also. So. Fair. Because, I haven't, again, I haven't seen her in anything since. She may have just been doing a bunch of comedies and love movies. And I just, Did this kill her career? No, I, I don't see why it would. It's bad enough that Jason killed her. No, because, to be honest, she still did a decent job with what she was given. And uh, how about we get into the movie by rehashing the original movie ending? Well, you know, the movie tries to do a weird thing where it is a remake, but it's going to try to basically combine the originals part one through four into one movie, basically. So it's a remake slash reboot slash kind of sequel? It, I don't know. It's something like that. Um, I, I will say this. I'm sure everyone's already rejoicing the minute they hear this. Sam Winchester's our main actor. And for those of you who don't know who that is, which is probably 99.7% of you, that name means nothing. Nick, you want to tell us what fucking show this actor's from? Supernatural. <laughs> you know, folks, I don't, I don't even curse often, folks. <laughs> I don't even say that word unless I really mean it, so... <laughs> These motherfuckers keep showing up on my podcast every week. I, I, I shit you not, it's not intentional we're picking movies that have these actors in it, but they keep showing up every movie we pick. If I pick the movie, Supernatural Actors. If he picks the movie, Supernatural Actors. We can't escape. What the hell? This is Nick's fault. This is his whole plan for the podcast. This is all one big tribute to Supernatural. But anyway. Anyways, um, so uh, he's playing... Um, what's Clay going? Miller. Clay Miller. Now... Pretty much he's the brother from part four, but instead of dying in a very hilarious way... He's killing me! He survives. Well, so... Sort of. This is what I mean when we say they're using the storyline from parts one through four. But firstly, we're skipping ahead, though. Let's get back to the beginning. The beginning, we have this opening, weird, weirdly shot, sort of black and white, weird color montage of Mrs. Voorhees getting her head chopped off. Which, um... It's kind of awkward, in my opinion. Uh, it may just be the momentum of how she's swinging the knife that was coming for, I'm just going to say, our uh, reboot Alice. Oh, they don't. She's nameless. They don't actually give her a name or anything. I'm just so. going to call her Alice because that was the name of the act from the, the main character from the first movie. That's fair. But so our reboot Alice, uh, you know, swings the machete as the mom brings a knife down. And when the machete hits the mom... She, for some reason, spins the opposite way of what you'd be thinking if a machete hits you in the face. My experience with getting hit in the machete, with the machete was a little bit different, so I think you're Okay, right. so anyway, then we get to a bunch of don uh, uh, stoners. Let's go well, ahead and meet them. 
Well, let me say this, though. I'll say this. I don't think, um, you know, this is red flag number one, I guess, but maybe some people disagree, but I don't think we needed that opening scene of the mom's head getting chopped off because they're going to give us another recap in a few minutes anyways. So yeah. I'm not sure if it was needed. I mean, you could throw in there, but it was just okay. But anyway, so our stoners, we shall now meet Wade, Richie, Whitney, Mike, and Amanda. So fun fact, Wade and Richie are... The actors are friends in real life, and they got the roles based on them already having a rapport as actors because they're friends in real life. So that's how they got cast. It shows on screen. It seems like they're actually friends. So, And we're not going to see a lot of that in this movie, so I appreciate it. Heck no, but what we do get is the Crystal Lake Legend, which is the recap that you were talking about. This series always has to give a recap. Always got to be uh, uh, Crazy Ralph speaking from the grave or them sitting around a campfire. There's always a recap because they assume that none of you have seen the previous movies, and I feel insulted. Well, how about this? Feel uh, a little nostalgic when you see Sackhead Jason kill Wade. I love it. Backhead Jason. Sackhead Jason back. Back where he belongs. No mass. Just pure with the sack on. He's gained about 30 pounds of muscle. Still my friend, though. Played by Derek Mears in this a- one. A.K.A. Predator. Or A.K.A. whoever won the latest Mr. Universe competition because he looks like a goddamn bodybuilder. Well, consider the fact Derek Mears actually played Predator in the Predators movie. What? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's... He actually played a Predator. <laughs> well, this is basically a, a Predator movie. This is a, <laughs> an unspoken Predator movie. This is like Predator with a Jason mask on, essentially. Well, I guess, sh- should we uh, explain the random locket or just skip that scene entirely and get to the kills? Because I feel like killing people. I mean, what? Well, you know, this is the longest opening scene in the history of horror movies. Well, that's because Jason chimed. has five people to kill here. This is longer than the Drew Barrymore death scene at the beginning of Scream, even. That's because he has five people to kill here. and that one, he only had two. Yeah, but it wasn't needed. Some of these deaths are pointless. They have no bearing on the rest of the movie. But, oh, okay. One yeah. of them was, pr- was pretty fucking intense, though. Well, they're all, they're all pretty fun. Like, for example, we have the one stoner guy who goes to find his weed. And gets his, his ear chopped off. His entrepreneurial self is going to get some weed to smoke it or sell it or both. And, unfortunately, Jason says no to drugs. But, yes, to murder. Yep. And then Richie and Amanda are fuck it. Okay, back to the next part. Yeah, but, you know, the <laughs> thing is, so there's a very awkward sex scene here. And I say awkward just because, you know, I had to turn the volume down because I have roommates in my house, and it was kind of uh, loud and weird. But it's played for laughs, so I, I'm, I'm okay. And Friday 13 should I'm have... I'm sorry. In this, in this whole movie, every sex scene in this movie is awkward. It is, yeah. And especially, honestly, awkward for the actors. So the on the um, on some some uh, uh, Crystal Lake Memories, the documentary... They interviewed Richie, the guy who played Richie, and he was talking about the, the actress, and he was like, she was, like, from a different country. She just came here to act, and she wasn't happy with, like... Showing her tits? That kind of sex scene. It's not what she was expecting, basically, but that's what she was told. It's kind of like part five. Part five had a porn director who clearly wanted to just have crazy, awkward, long sex scenes. And I, th- this is, like, the beginning of the movie. It's a little bit early. It's okay. But there's going to be so much more later that I'll complain about. So I'll, I'll say right now, it's, it, it's fine. It's, it's well, in the moment, so it's cool. Well, good news for Amanda. She doesn't have to be in the movies for long because she gets wrapped up in her sleeping bag and thrown over a fire like a damn pig in a pit. Yeah, this is probably... This is a brutal death. ...in the top three most painful deaths in the series. The only problem is I just feel like uh, her body would look a little bit more charred. She got off easy because what they did, what they implied basically was that 
I guess the fire burned through the sleeping bag and like cut her out of it basically. So she fell out of it versus just staying there in the fire. So she probably would have been worse off, but she pretty quickly just falls out the sleeping bag. Yeah, but then she's already dead. The, to me, that looked more like a, a second degree burn versus a death thing. Maybe she inhaled too much smoke and she died that way. This is, uh, this, this is the first indication for me that this is a different kind of Jason because Jason's kind of a quick kill, quick hitter person. He's not necessarily a torture you or set up torturous traps for you. Like Richie's leg gets caught up in a little mousetrap thing. Bear trap. Mousetrap. What the f- what is it called? A bear trap? Bear trap. Richie gets caught in the bear trap, and his leg looks like it basically gets chopped off almost. And that looks painful as hell. Fair. And, yeah, Amanda's burning the sleeping bag, but this is not like Jason's MO. Jason's more likely to take on the sleeping bag and hit her ass against a tree five times. Yeah. So this is a different kind of Jason. He's torturing them, which is a little bit odd, but okay. Well, how about we get to Mike's death? Because that, that one's, I wouldn't oh say bloody, God, yeah. but that one is, looked painful as hell. This made me cringe. <laughs> Like the way he got stabbed? He got oh. stabbed th- through the heel, oh. then in the hand, and then what was another one? In his knee? And then he gets dragged down, and who knows what Jason does to the poor guy. It sounded like broke his spine, because you just hear a bunch of cracking, and then blood spits out of Mike's mouth. Yeah, you know, as an opening, this opening throws you off, because you're like, wait a minute. He's killing people the, pretty fast. What the hell is going on? Like, I thought these were the main characters, <laughs> but they're getting knocked off pretty quick, so... Yep, uh, and then Richie meets his death by getting completely sliced in half with, well, his face anyway getting sliced well, in gets, half. Yeah, he gets basically the old uh, machete straight through the forehead. Which, I'm just skull. wondering one thing. Why didn't he maybe even at least let out a yell? Because fucking Whitney's sitting there trying to get the bear trap open. He's like, uh-oh. I thought it was an interesting <laughs> acting choice. It seemed to be what I could tell is that either he was in complete shock or he just said, F it. Because he knew he couldn't move. So it was kind of like. He should have told Whitney. He's like, hey, fuck off. What I found more interesting is how he died so instantly. <laughs> it seemed like as soon as the thing touched him, he was all, he's already dead. I don't know. Uh, we get that at least one more time in this movie. But- so now we get the, the part that I feel is stupid, which is, we'll get into it more later. But uh, Whitney's her name, right? Yep. Whitney running away from Jason. Jason with a machete lunging at her full force the knife comes down the machete comes down and we cut to the credits now for my money movie's over everyone i get you family whitney's dead whitney's you have a dead. good day whitney's dead like freddie was dead she's dead all right yep i lied to y'all sam winchester is not in the why does this movie still say has an hour left what the hell i thought jason won he killed off all the characters yeah uh, you know they're gonna close down crystal lake again they're all good uh, okay so now we're meeting I guess our real cast of characters, Jenna, Trent, Bree, Chelsea, Chewy, Nolan, Lawrence, and Clay. Yeah, that's it. Well, they all, they all convene at a convenience store. So it's very convenient. Very randomly. And then this is a classic. Have all our characters in one place. They can all meet. They're taking a road trip to Trent's father's house. Yes. And we meet this ragtag group of friends. And I say friends loosely because as we're going to discover, none of these characters like each other. None of this makes sense for them as a friendship group. You it reminds like me so much of Part 7. You act like friendship groups need to make sense. They do. No, they don't. If My I wanna... friendship groups do not make sense. Okay. Uh, loose connections can hang out casually. They can meet up at IHOP. They can go to a movie together. They can show up at a party together. They do not go away for the weekend on a trip together. If they find out 
one of their one of their uh, friends' friends is rich, and they were just invited to that rich friend's house. I don't think so. Fuck yes, I'm going. I don't think so. And and what they do when they get to free the house, food. None of that happens when they get to the house. None of that happens. Free I, chicken nuggets. Who? Why do you think McDonald's is catering this party? <laughs> There's no promise for chicken nuggets here, man. And they're not gonna get fed. There's no food at this party. It's fucking stoners, guys. Free chicken nuggets. Okay. You remind me as we go through, you show me the scene where there's a table full of food and the stoners are having food. I don't see anybody eat anything in this whole damn movie. That's probably, you think eventually would occur to them to eat. You know what? That's probably why they all died. They were weak from lack of food. They needed them chicken nuggets. Trent promised, and he didn't deliver. That motherfucker deserves to die. This small town looks like Nilbog. There's no McDonald's there. There's maybe a half gallon of Nilbog milk they can have, but there's no... Uh, Domino's Pizza or Wawa in sight, that's well, for sure. Well, if they do drink the Nilbog milk, at the very least, they will populate the forest again. Hey, listen, I gotta be honest. They'd be better off in Nilbog compared to what happens to them in this movie, so. Oh, yeah. And we do definitely get our uh, co- comedic relief in Chewie and Lawrence. Those two characters are my most likable characters. But, I, but, but the rest of the group treats them like pieces of shit. They seem like outcasts, even though they seem like cool dudes. They seem like outcasts from the rest of the group. And they're just here to smoke weed? Smoke weed. He, he brought his own bong? Beer pong. Beer pong uh, with people you Doing shoeies. Beer pong with people you don't like? I don't know, man. I don't... I just... I don't... They did shoey drinks? I, I assume they have other friends. Not these friends. So, that's all. At least we find out Bree kind of took an interest in Lawrence, but that doesn't go fuck all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Even Bree, who, again, I, from what I can tell, has no concernable connection to the rest of the group, I guess she's just promiscuous. Let's look at the different words we can use for each character. These are stock characters. We have high dude. Music dude, because technically oh, okay. he was making his own record label. All right. We have weed guy, music guy, uh, asshole jock, mm. nice guy, the, uh, the blonde-haired guy and the blonde-haired girl. They don't uh, stay around long enough to actually give them a character. Surfers? We can just call them surfers. Fuck it. I, I, I mean, know. I know their names. Not their names, but they're not, they're not around long enough to actually be given a characteristic. But the, the bottom line is these guys, each character has like one specific thing, and then the entire movie they act that way. There's never any genuine conversation. We don't know anything about any of these people. Uh, so, nothing, so one of my favorite reaction, uh, interaction between Chewie and Lawrence, believe it or not, was actually when he ve- reveals the bong. He goes, Lawrence. You've been cheating on me. No, 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 baby. He's like, I saw you with a bowl. No, no, it's not what you... A bowl, Lawrence? Yeah, they... Uh, that had me cracking up. No, that was funny. I, they, they, they have funny lines. <laughs> like, you want more and from them... And they delivered it correctly. You want more from them eventually, but they have funny lines for sure. Uh, so how about we meet Redneck Donnie? Okay, let's get back to the real movie. Okay, well, <laughs> well there is, uh, there's a couple quick interactions that I'll just say are somewhat pointless but um clay obviously is looking for his sister it's the part four storyline his sister's gone missing as we know from the beginning um and now this is what six weeks later six weeks later so not three days later not like three days later like, like rob was looking in part four three days later the man had articles and pictures of jason right had police sketches of jason three days later <laughs> oh okay part four but um so clay's on the hunt and he's first he runs into an older woman no, no, you're forgetting the. He runs to the police officer. Oh yeah. He has. He wants the cooperation of the police. He basically wants them to do their job. Focus their entire police department on finding his sister. But as the cop has said, hey, we looked for her. She wasn't there. So. Fuck you. 
<laughs> I mean, and then, then he actually gives, again, a, a reason why he was a front runner of a show for 15 years. He definitely does a, sh- a, a show not tell kind of thing. Yeah, he mentions that his mother died of cancer, but the face he had on him is not only disbelief, but kind of hurt because he even had to relive that memory in the first place that his sister wasn't there at the funeral. Yeah, and eventually he reveals later on that he basically checked out on his sister and his mother to go. Yeah, he bailed when he was 17, and that's when he became Sam Winchester. Uh, fought demons and poltergeists and Look, all he this. Could, he could have helped his mom and his sister, but he got he got offered to do this damn TV show, and 15 years later he decided to come back. You're damn right. I mean, listen, that's a good reason to leave your well, mom I, and sister. Technically so. four years later, because the show started in 2005, it comes back in 2009. Okay, well. So four years later. Well, hopefully Jason kills him in this movie, so then the show could end right there in 2009. No. So I think that'd be a service to humanity. No, so. it would not be. It would be a disservice to humanity. So he shows up at this old lady's house, and the old lady... This this kind of thing I like when the old lady when you have someone in the town like is hinting at like, you know she's like talking about Jay she's like he doesn't like that it's like Freddie's dead where Tom Arnold's like they bring him the damn kids like it's like the town knows something is there first of all though if I'm that old man like I'm moving out of the town if I know that there's motherfucking Jace in the woods though because uh, all these town people seem to know something's amiss there she's like all the kids that go missing here they don't show up. Like, they never come back again. So do the cops know about all these missing kids? Because they don't. It's very possible. But to be honest with you, uh, they kind of needed this old woman as an homage to. Um, Crazy Ralph. Yep. Crazy Ralph. They'll never come back again. That sounded like the leprechaun. <laughs> you should have said, you're all doomed. Oh, right. You're right. Yeah. You're doomed. 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 And now we get to the random farmer guy who's actually working on the farm for somebody else. Yeah, I call him Redneck Donnie. And Donnie is not very helpful in getting information about his sister. But but he he wants to sell his weed. He does offer him some weed. So Donnie found the weed from the earlier in the movie when What's-His-Face found the weed. Yeah, what is the point of this fucking weed? Is is this weed going to show up any point in time in this movie at the end? Maybe they set it on fire and Jason gets caught in it. What's the point of of Donnie? I mean... Uh, When Donnie dies, Jason finds the mask. I think a good homage would have just been like, um, Chewy the trickster brings a mask. And when he kills him, he gets the mask because that would be taken from part three. Why does Donnie randomly have a Jason mask in his barn? I don't know. Why does Donnie lose his virginity to mannequins? <laughs> and he's, about, he's actually in the process of revisiting that when Jason kills his ass. Yep. Slits his throat. But, and not before Donnie says, that's messed up, man. <laughs> yeah, it looks at his face. So, uh... He goes to Trent's house, knocks on the door, realizes he's already seen her. He's about to turn away and walk away when she goes, hey, you want to come in for a beer? You know, there's a proper etiquette when you're at your boyfriend's house. You don't invite in the other guy who just had a conflict with your boyfriend back at the convenience store. Yep. What kind of girlfriend is this? And he even said, I don't think your boyfriend would appreciate that. No, it's okay. Come (laughs) on in. She invites him in and surprise, surprise, Trent's pissed off as he should be. Yeah, his girlfriend's pretty much inviting another guy in. What do you think that she's expecting from him now? Yeah, and the movie wants me to think Trent's an asshole, but frankly, I'm on his side so far. He's like, hey, bro, you can't stay. This is my house, the private party, all true. And and fucking Clay's just like, understood. Have a good day. But Jenna's looking at uh, Trent like, oh, my God, how could you not let him join our friend group? What? He's a random stranger. So that, that explains 
how all these people are friends. It's not because they actually have anything in common. It's because Jenna is so friendly. Exactly. So she's like in a math class with Chewy and uh, and what's in Chewy and Lawrence. She's in a uh, math class with them basically, and we're just like, hey, we're going to a cabin this weekend. You want to come? They're like, yeah, we can get stoned there. Yeah. Okay, I get it. You're right. She's so um, opening up to strangers that that makes sense to me now. And a matter of fact, when she leaves, she's actually like, do you want some company? You're gonna leave with this guy? You have your group of friends here that you just you just got there with. You're getting on a bike with some dude you don't even know. Yes. Well, this is damn near like like hitchhiking, basically. So the the reason the reason is mind control. Do, 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 do. It's Sam fucking Winchester. You're gonna stop saying his name like that means anything, <laughs> all right? Nobody cares about this guy. Um, anyways, Nick looks at this movie not as Friday Thirteen. He's like a Jason versus Sam. Yeah. As if, as if that's a thing. This is a verse movie in, in, in yes. Nick's mind. Wow. The only problem is they did the fight scene badly. Oh, my God. In my opinion. And they should have had Dean come in at the end. Shouldn't have been a fight scene. It should have been Jason just killing his abs, decapitating him around the spot. No. That would be more realistic. Nah. So, anyways, we do got to talk about the blonde-haired guy and the blonde-haired girl because they're about to make their exit both from the house and from the movie. Nolan is shot by an arrow. The blonde-haired guy's down. Now, Jason's aim is impeccable. Oh, yes. This man He from, doesn't use a crossbow this time, either. He's shooting a moving target on a boat. Yes. The boat's moving. Yes. And in mid-moving, he still gets him in the head. Yes. That's damn near impossible. No, it isn't. With an arrow? Exactly. You have to aim at the spot you think he's going to be at. Yes. It's a person standing on a boat. Yes. That person ain't moving. The boat is. That's what I'm saying. It's a moving target. <laughs> yes. How, it's not easy to have a, a, a standstill target. What, you can't hit a standstill target with a bow? With a bow and arrow? Yes. Even if I could, it moving is ten times as hard. And no, I can't do the standstill either. So, but. We are going camping one day. I'm going to show you how to make what, a bow what and arrow. What he's doing, basically, is standstill. That would be like throwing a dart from back there and hitting the, the, the center middle spot. Yes. Now, imagine the dartboard is moving back and forth on the wall with no rhyme or reason. It's not like the boat's going in a straight line. It's just moving, like almost in a damn circle. Yes. Okay. You seem to have no, no logical problems. Let's move on. I, I feel like this is Because bullshit. any hunter will be able to make that shot. Here's what happened in real life, right? The first arrow misses his head by three inches. The guy's like, oh, shit, who just shot that? He turns back. Second arrow misses him by five inches. Like, holy shit, who is this? Third arrow gets him. And now we're talking realistic. Nah. Yeah. Oh, okay. This man has been a hunter his entire life. Maybe. There's no maybe to it. Notice how there's no animals in this forest. Even as a hunter in real life, he's never shot anyone in a boat, I'm pretty sure. Maybe he has, but probably not. You never, you never know. You don't know his past. By the way, if, if, uh, if Trey's cabin, or if Tra- is it a cabin? Trent, Trent's uh If Trent's cabin, cabin has whatever. always been there, and I assume Trent's been there Plenty numerous of times. times Shouldn't he have already been killed at this point? Like, no. Why? Like, Jason, like, Jason, they show basically, it seems like, is like a little while away from that cabin. Yeah. Like, within quick walking distance. Yeah. Shouldn't uh, Trent's whole be, family have... been murdered at a certain point? Nah. You know why? The old woman wasn't murdered. He apparently does not give two shits about people no, who already lived there. The old woman. Grandfather Claus, man. The old woman was driving distance away, I think. Because remember, Clay was driving in different locations. He had a truck originally. I think. 
No, he had a bike the entire time. Oh, did he? Yeah, it was a motorcycle. Okay. But it wasn't it wasn't him walking from place to place. No. Th- well, th- those places are in town, but they're not at the lake. So after Nolan's been shot, Chelsea gets hit by the boat. Painful. That part is completely coincidental. That's a concussion. That's going oh, yeah. to hurt in the morning. So she sees Jason, hides under the dock when... So I want to bring this up. So she, right before she dies, she looks up, sees Jason. Okay, whatever. Machete goes in, comes out. We see tits. She falls. And then we get the exact same shot right that they used right before he stabbed her for also after he stabbed her, still <laughs> looking for her. <laughs> That's bad. I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, why? Why didn't they just have him, you know, walk away? I got to ask. Why how? show the tits? No, how is that even possible? Okay. Stabbing through a dock. No, no, I get that part of it. Docks wooden. Okay. But they show Jason walking, right? He walks by. He's not looking down. He's looking straight ahead, right? So he's not looking down. She's not touching the bottom of the dock with her head. Otherwise, it'd be something where, like, with his feet, he just feels she's underneath. She's not touching it. She's actually below. He walks back, right? We hear no more footsteps. But then the thing comes down to the exact spot. He is there. I just think they're taking this Jason Hunter thing to extreme of, like, basically, he's essentially Predator. He's the greatest hunter in the history of the world, apparently. Like, I don't know about that. He's doing stuff here that's a little bit crazy. So, so pretty, much, uh, pretty much Clay's and Jenna's first interaction with Jason is they hide under a boat. As and people you, do. And you find out the camp still has power. Oh, God. How does this camp that, is most, that has been shut down since, what, 1980 still have power? Now, this is interesting. So... We know the timeline, the original series is all messed up. But what the hell is the timeline here? You're saying since 1980, you feel like... 1980 was like when his mom's head got chopped off. Yes. You feel like this is like 30 years later? Yes. Interesting. And then... And so if no one's been in this specific site for 30 years, how would there still be power? Not like that, but it's like, okay, again... And spotlights nonetheless. Again, Trent's cabin there. He's been coming there back and forth. Like, why... If Jason saw his mom right there in 1980, that means the killing should have started immediately after that. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, it's funny they didn't mention the what happened to Alice. I thought that they may, they may say like, okay, well then six months later he killed the girl. They didn't mention that. Well, here's another thing I'm wondering: who was the headless body? This is why I wanted to bring up the old woman again because at first I was thinking, oh, he's just carrying Donnie's body. Well, he didn't cut Donnie's head off; he just nope. slit his throat. Uh, he didn't cut Nolan's head off. And to be honest, Nolan was still on the boat. I doubt he went out there to get him. And he didn't. And we find Chelsea later on still in, still in the fucking water. This, again, is a rip off of Predator. Because Predator, and especially Predator 2, would walk around with people's heads. So where, so whose head was, whose headless body is this? And who is the headless body? Was it the old woman? Was no, it just because, some random schmuck? No, because I like what you're saying as far as like, if the old woman knows about him and has been there the entire time, it doesn't make sense why he would suddenly make it a priority to kill her. It seems like you're right. If, if he sees... Jason in the original series, he doesn't bother the town people. Mm. It's just if you come to the lake. You trespass on his territory. But she lived in the lake. She did not live in the lake. This is where you're missing it. When he visited um, um, her, I'm pretty sure that was um, like a house away from there. 
You can see the lake in the back. I don't think so. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> see the lake in the back. Well, nothing makes sense. And how? Okay, if he's been around for 30 years, how are these people just living on the lake then? Wouldn't they all be trespassers? Wouldn't I mean, you want to kill all of them? I mean, to be fair, they're also not young kids that could resemble the teens that caused whatever happened to Jason to happen because obviously Jason's still alive. There's just no, there's no random reason why he would just suddenly go kill the girl, the woman. Yeah, so. She's been living there the whole time. So it's like, why would she think, why would she be like a random Tuesday just be like, whoa, yeah, so we gotta get back much, to that old lady. Yeah, so we pretty much get a random headless body that we never meet. So there's your, there's your uh, character that we never even got to meet and there's a dead body. I was probably the one good character <laughs> beheaded before we got to know him. Damn uh, it. Oh, oh, and we find out Whitney's alive. Kill me now. <laughs> Whitney has been taken as a hostage. Yes. Because she, if we mentioned the locket that we probably should have mentioned, she supposedly looks like Jason Voorhees or Pamela Voorhees before she got old. Because that locket had a picture of Jason's mom when she was younger. How did that save Whitney at the beginning of the movie when he's lunging at her with a knife and it comes down on her face? Maybe. What happened that split second? To change Jason's mind. So maybe he didn't. It didn't change her mind right away. The machete came down, but the locket deflected it. This is such bullshit. <laughs> Jason taking someone hostage is the dumbest shit ever. So first of all, if it was his mom, then guess what? That means Whitney would enslave Jason. Jason would be his person. Would be her personal slave now. She could tell him what to do. She could own him. Him him locking her up and then oh yeah you're my mom. That makes no sense on from any angle. She does not understand her power. Let's yet. say, let's say he thinks it is his mom. I wouldn't. He's gonna enslave his mom and cha- chain her up. That doesn't make sense. You don't know what they did in their oh my in God. their young lives. This would actually establish why she's so uh, Stockholm syndrome. No, no. So I just want to. I'm not met- buying that. So another thing I want to mention is another Chewy line. Uh, let's all be one big happy cliche. Honestly, I get the Thank feeling, goodness for some... Uh, I get the feeling that's self-referential yeah. to what they are compared to the rest of the series. They are literally carbon copies of all the other characters we've seen throughout the series of movies. I appreciate the self-awareness. They know, they know what they've signed up for. Also, why was Trent so pissed off over a chair? It had special family and sentimental value. But a chair. It was just a chair. Versus somebody's potential back broken well again this is why i'm saying trent doesn't like the guy so it's like if the guy falls he immediately thinks my chair not the safety of his friend because it's not his friend all right well treats chewy like a piece of shit unfortunately for chewy he gets stabbed with a screwdriver this is a little bit too bloody actually i was like ah well it depends on where in the throat it hit him if it did hit him in the jugular vein yeah it's gonna get bloody yeah it wasn't a fun kind of gore, though. I was like, I don't need to see this. And now, here's something I'm wondering. Does Jason somehow lock into his horror protection skills while he's alive with this next couple of scenes? Well, they built underground tunnels for him in this movie to give, him some kind of, to give some kind of explanation for his um, ability to transport in and out of different places. But then on top of that, they go and add the... Horror transportation. What do you call it? The horror portation. Horror portation. Because what happens in this next bit? Jay, uh, so Jason kills Chewie. Jason catches Whitney in not even two seconds, takes her back, chains her up, 
comes back, kills Lawrence. Ah, Lawrence put up a good fight. Well, yeah, up until he got a axe thrown onto his back. He'd have been all right if they came and helped him, but because they're not, because he's not anybody's friend, nobody cared to come and help him. No, and Jason would have killed him. No, no, they could have got him. Jason would have killed him. Here's what we do, though. You have five people, right? No, four people. One person's a diversion. They run this way. One person runs this way. One person runs that way. You're better off splitting up at this point. Well, this is where I figure Jason has horror protection because right after finishing Lawrence off, he's on top of the house. Listen, Santa Claus can do it and so can Jason. He goes from literally half a mile away from the house to on top of the house in the amount of seconds it takes for Lawrence to fall on the axe. What they did here was they took Zombie Jason from parts 6 through Jason X. They took the Jason of parts 1 through 4, and they combined it all together, giving him all the strengths and none of the weaknesses. This is by far the most unstoppable version of Jason, even more so than Uber Jason from Jason X. They made this motherfucker basically like so you're a, saying a this superhero, is an unnatural, un- unstoppable killer. This is, this is Day Jason? No. It's like Daywalker, but with Jason? Yes. Day this Jason? Is, this is the Blade version of Jason. Day Jason. Day Jason. Day Jason. Because from what I can gather, not only is he the best hunter of all time, he's also like damn near seven feet tall, 300 pounds of pure muscle, no fat on him. Um, he also can teleport, as you said. Yep. And um, is intelligent. There's no, no discernible weakness I can tell. Also, here's another thing. If it was if it's Jason versus the Avengers... I think Jason has a leg up in this one. So here's, here's another thing at this point. So earlier in the movie, power goes out. Uh, Trent gets pissed off saying, why is the power out? Well, in a scene, one scene later, power goes out all the time. There's no reason to get pissed. It's like, uh, then why the fuck? Yeah. Were you pissed earlier? He's always pissed. That's his MO, so. Trent has a gun, by the way. Yeah, let's see how much good he does with that. So. Nope, because Bree gets impaled on antlers, and then Trent shoots her. I thought it would have been funny if they would have played this, like, actually... Trent killing her instead of Jason. Him actually killing her. Because, actually, the way he did it, when he found her body, he very quickly was like, Jason killed Bree. <laughs> I know what he was thinking. Probably he's like, I shot her. I, he's like thinking, I killed her. Right. Because he shot in the door three times. I'm pretty sure that it would have been just more funny if he actually shot her. <laughs> As it is... She gets killed five times. She gets impaled. She gets shot. And Jason's about to throw her ass off the roof so she can land on the damn police car also. And the fourth time was actually prior to this, and that was the bad sex she had with Trent. Talking literally lines and scenes talking about her damn tits. We don't need egregious... The longest, most drawn-out, uncomfortable sex scene. I mean, they cut to different scenes. Like, I think they... They cut it between this and Chewie's death scene, mm-hmm. and it keeps cutting back, and I'm like, okay, we get it. They're having sex. Oh, and you want to hear the worst part? Amelia walked in at the end tail when she was moaning really loudly. <laughs> well, here's another uncomfortable thing. Uh, the cop gets a fire poker to the eye. I'm sure that was very uncomfortable. Cops are useless in horror movies. They never do anything productive. This guy had it coming. He was skeptical, skeptical hippo, and Jason, with his supernatural powers, jumped down. And with one perfect swoop of the hand, impale the guy through the door, through the head. That's going to hurt Gene. And then Trent gets stabbed and then impaled on what looks like a tow truck. This was well done because this was done in a very humorous way where you think 
the truck that drove by is Jason. Is Jason, and they build that up, but then that's just some bullshit. Guy with a fucking breathing tube in his nose. I remember when I saw this in theaters, that scene got a lot of laughs. People were laughing their ass off when that happened. So. Up until Jason then shoves the machete in and then picks him up by the machete to make it go deeper and deeper. They were still laughing. Because <laughs> Trent was such a despicable <clears throat> asshole. You know, the funny thing is, this is a shared universe because I don't know if you remember the first Transformers movie. This actor's in that playing a high schooler named Trent. Michael Bay actually came out and said, yes, it's the same guy. It's the same character. Trent, who's Megan Fox's boyfriend in Transformers, is the same Trent here. Oh, my gosh. And they should have mentioned that. Yeah, I dated this girl. It looks so much like that actress. Clay finds Whitney. No one gives a shit. This is where the movie falls off dramatically for me because that middle portion was great. It was a lot of fun. The humor was there. The deaths were there. There was a lot of action. When we get back to the whole just focusing on him, his the brother finding Whitney and she's still alive, but she's a hostage, and now you got the awkward trio of Jenna, Clay, and Whitney. This is where the wheels start to fall off a little bit for me. I'm just starting to lose interest because I don't care about Whitney. I know that in the first 15 minutes she's our main character, and we're supposed to based on that 15 minutes and form some kind of emotional connection. But to me, she hasn't earned the right to be the final girl or the main character in this movie. So we get back to her now, you realize, okay, oh, this is all about her. This is her storyline. It just doesn't. So then you must have been extremely happy when Jason just stabbed her straight through the chest. I felt amazingly relieved because I was like, listen, they made the right choice here. We really want to follow Clay and Jenna. It's their story now. They've earned the right. So when Whitney got stabbed, what? What? You know? Why did Jenna get stabbed instead of Whitney? I, I, I have no explanation because I don't think Jenna did the one wrong thing in the entire movie. She didn't. She's such a nice person. Yes, she was. This and she was Danielle Panabaker. I mean, she was Daniel Panorama, yes. Um, and she was because apparently this killed her film career as well as her character. Yeah, so, and here's another question. Uh so you're at the bus, and to be honest with you, you're thinking, oh, this is, is going to be the climax because all of a sudden Jason ends up behind Clay, shoves Clay's face into the uh, bus, and for some reason doesn't kill him. Nope. Why? Is Jason stupid? Since when? All the previous movies. <laughs> just, well, not, just not in this one. Here, here it is. Here's the verses everyone's been waiting for. Jason versus... Sam Winchester. Oh, wait, no, Clay. Sorry. When I was in the movie theater, I did hear one person say that. He was in the back row, way <laughs> in the back, sitting by himself. And he said that, and I didn't know who the person was. I was like, who? Jason versus, uh, huh? And, um, yeah, so just a fun fact. One person did say that. Now, in my opinion, the whole reason for this movie is because Jason saw three episodes of Supernatural, Piss him off, and now he's killing everybody. Now he finally gets to kill one of the main actors from the show to give him, to give him, really give him justice. That would be Jason's justice, is killing off the, the main guy from Supernatural. So the pro- there is a problem I have with this fight. There's like three instances where this fight is edited to the point where it's kind of not readable. Like uh, this, there's a part where Jared Padalecki tackles Jason. 
And then all of a sudden, the very next shot, it looks like Jason just got, just caught Jared Padalecki's fists. And I'm just like, when did he throw a fist? Yeah. I never saw this man throw a punch. I just saw him tackle him. And all of a sudden, he's in a chokehold? It's one of those movies where they maybe never thought to actually have a like, real fight, a fight choreographer on set. Because it's not really a movie where Jason's in fights. So when you get to the actual fight scene, you're like, ah, the director's kind of probably winning. He's like, ah, do this, do that. And they're editing. They're like, yeah, that looks good. That looks good. And Real question I got up. also is, why did Jason never throw a punch? I'm sorry. If you're in a fight, you're not just going to pick someone up and throw them. You're going to sit there and swing. That I'll Swing, better, better, better. That I'll stand against because outside of Jason getting boxed up on the damn roofs of Manhattan, I just don't see Jason throwing a punch. And if he had thrown a punch... He would have knocked off your boy's head. So. No, he wouldn't have because he's human in this. No. Yes. He's definitely not human, right? He's human. He's not human. Oh, wait, the horror rotation. Hey, he's human. Yeah, he's I get but it. Instead, He's some weird mix of zombie Jason and human Jason. But instead, uh, Jason gets his head fed through a wood chipper and stabbed. Ouch. And I'm just wondering. Ouchies. I'm just wondering, why didn't, the, why didn't they just push him in the rest of the way? Because they're stupid. Better yet, why didn't they just decide to leave? They're dumb, too. Uh, instead, we get this montage, which reminds me of the most important fact about this movie. The most important thing that cannot be overlooked. The chair is still broken. The chair is still broken. You know, if nothing else, we need to get this damn chair fixed. Right. Now, Trent's dad's going to be pissed as all hell. Trent's dad's going to be pissed. The whole Trent family legacy is in jeopardy. Because this chair is supposed to get passed on to generation after generation. Right. And now, Trent and Bree's baby will never get to feel what that soft, luscious seat felt like under the tush. Imagine imagine, uh, Bree's poor family when the coroner has to explain to her, what happened to our daughter? Well, it looks like she was uh, impaled. (gasps) And she was shot three times. What? Postmortem. And she was thrown off the roof and landed on the police car windshield. Fair. Poor Bree's parents having to hear that damn news. Well, we... And, I, and by the way, I hope that, um, that Chewie and Lawrence's parents actually know where they went for the weekend because they may have a hard time ever finding them, so... Well, here's a... Well, in true Friday 13th fashion, we get your final jump scare, which, to be honest with you, they should have left alone. Should not have added this. Should have had these characters just leave instead of throwing Jason in the fucking water and then throwing his mask back in the water with him. No. Um, that would no. Have, that have been a better idea. Walk away. You know, as late as 2017, they had a sequel in, work, in the works. Like, to a point where apparently they had, a, they had a, a script, they had they were in pre-production, but in 2017, they canceled it all together completely. This movie made a lot of money, so... You would have thought they would have fast-tracked a sequel pretty quickly. could have brought Jason Mears back. You could have brought back uh, Supernatural Dude. Probably not. That killed th- him in the opening scene, though, is what you want to do. So. Well, yeah, they would have had to because that literally, after the movie, Jared Pedelec, he signed on for even more seasons of Supernatural, so he didn't have the time. You just film in the Hell, You just yeah. film during his, um, his off-season. Hell, right? Jared so. Pedelec and Jensen Ackles both gave up uh, starring roles in the MCU universe to be part of Supernatural. So they're stupid. Jensen Ackles was supposed to be Captain America. So these are, these are idiots. <laughs> their, a- their agents are idiots too. No, because they still made more money. 
Think about all the conventions they went to. Think about all the publicity they got. And think, Nick, Nick, Nick. They did Nick, more. Nick, Nick, I have to tell you, if he was Captain America, there, there would have been more conventions. There would have been more publicity. <laughs> He's, he would have been Captain and America. Jensen Ackles and his wife are now doing a prequel series of Supernatural, so even more money's going into it through his own studio company that he decided to make because he was in Supernatural and he had fun as a director. You know, comparing MCU and Supernatural, it's really like comparing uh, Jason and the Puppet Master. It was really like like Alien and Pumpkinhead. <laughs> it's one of those comparisons. So I'm glad I'm glad he he chose to do Puppet Master instead of uh, Jason. Yeah. You damn right. Cause guess what? Yeah. Puppet Master has more movies. Oh. <laughs> than Jason. Than Jason. <laughs> Get out of here. They literally just released like an eleventh movie, even though it was shit. Um, because they changed the puppets. Yeah, but how many uh, characters but, so much? But think long and hard about how many Jason movies there actually are, though. It's about twelve. Yeah, but here's the thing. What do people want to see more? Uh, puppets killing Nazis versus Jason killing naked teenagers. Answer is Jason killing naked teenagers. <laughs> All right, let's get to our categories. All righty. Best performance. For me, it's Chewy. Every single oh, time he was on screen, I was laughing. I enjoyed his performance well, very much. Well, that guy's actually a good actor. So, fun fact with him, he actually was also in the friendship group with the actor who plays Richie and the actor who played the other guy in the beginning. I'm kind of surprised they weren't in the beginning then. So, those two convinced him to take the role because he was hesitant. Because actually, this time, he had just been in the movie Disturbia. Mm-hmm. He played Shia LaBeouf's best friend in Disturbia. Mm. He was actually getting like really good, strong teen roles. It was kind of actually for him, like, like he's. He was a well-known face at the time, basically. So it was kind of a step back for him to be, like, random teen or Friday 13th movie. But his friends convinced him to do it. They said it'd be fun, and he did it. But, yeah, he's a standout because he's actually a good actor. He could have done a lot more, too, if they gave him more to do, basically. The fun factor of the movie definitely goes down once him and Lawrence are gone. Let's see. But, I'm, but uh, standout? Yeah, I'm going to give it to him also. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think he does strike me as a memorable character in the movie. So. Hell, even his death scene, he literally was fucking around with a hockey stick and sees Jason. Instead of getting scared, he's like, I think it completes your outfit. Well, the, um, the actor said, um, no, Derek Muir said that, that the dude basically was like, he was like so into it. He was like, put more blood on me. Let's do more blood. And he was like, there was so much blood, he said that he had to keep asking him, like, dude, can you breathe even? He's like, all right, all right, let's do it. So, so he was like so hyped up about it that he was like asking for more and more blood. He wanted to be as bloody as possible. So I'm mean, surprised he didn't try and ask for like a bigger death scene than just a screwdriver through the throat. Yeah, but th- like maybe get thrown all over that shit and have they, stuff just sticking out of him. But they made it big with just how damn slow the screwdriver went into him. That shit was cringe. All um, right, uh, worst performance. This is a hard one because to be honest, none, none of the actors did a bad job. But I'm going to go with Break, the cop. <laughs> Mainly because he was in such a short scene. Yeah, it may have added characterization to Clay. But what did we really know about Break besides he was a cop? Yeah, nobody was terrible. Um, some, of them, some of Lawrence's lines fell a bit flat sometimes. Um, but... Man, yeah, nobody was really terrible. 
it's funny. They actually, they all feel necessary because they're all this stereotype, basically. So they all come together as, like, the thing of cliches. Like, you could be like, okay, well, but everybody was good with it, good with their stereotype, basically. Like, Trent was a perfect asshole. Um, I'm going to say the dude that played, um, <laughs> who, who was the one guy, the, the farmer dude? Donnie. The guy that played Donnie, he was it's a weird performance he gave. <laughs> the way he was saying his lines is like weird. I, I was know. about to push the start button on a machine on the machine of whoop ass on you, boy. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm sure that was meant to be funny, but at the same time, it came off just very over the top and stupid. I was happy to see him get killed. Honestly, best scene. Be honest for you, to me, it was that 20 minute opening. I was gonna say the same thing. This is one of those movies where the opening is the peak of the movie. I actually. The, the 20 minutes is enough to actually, where you do actually like those characters. And it's a lot of action, and a lot's going on, and it's fun. That, that opening is fantastic. And, I def- and the music definitely just adds to the intensity and the excitement of the movies and the deaths and the blood. Yeah. The movie, like the, the, the opening is fantastic. Um, Nothing else really stands out, so I'm going to go to the opening, too. Yeah, it was then, long as shit. It was 18 minutes, and they spent so much time on it that the rest of the movie is like kind of short-changed a little bit. But, no, it was good shit. And then worse for me was that ending jump scare when Jason just jumps out of the docks. Like, why? Why did you even need to add that? It's Jason Voorhees. We all had a feeling he was going to come back to life. We all had a feeling you were probably making a sequel at the same time. Yeah. You didn't need to add that stupid jump scare. The whole ending to me was the whole last 10 minutes, last 15 minutes for me, just was a drag. I, I couldn't get into the last 15 minutes. So. Uh, what would you like to explore more? be honest, I originally I wrote nothing, but I would like to see like Jason's upbringing a little bit more after his mother died. Yeah. Like maybe show him growing up hunting in the woods, even though kind of self-explanatory. Uh, but it would make sense for Vic to understand how he's able to shoot a bow and arrow. Um, True. <laughs> no, you can shoot a bow and arrow, but you are the best bow and arrow shooter in the history of the world. That's what they're telling me. They're basically they're saying there's basically there's Robin Hood and there's Jason. So you're saying he would never be able to hit a moving target? No one should be able to hit a moving target with an arrow? Have you not seen the show Arrow? I have not, no. Neither have I. I'll, wa- <laughs> I'll watch it someday after I watch Supernatural. Uh, so that means never. Um, I, don't, I don't watch DC stuff. You know, the. Um, I would actually like to see. They could have shown some flashbacks of maybe Whitney and Clay's mom or flashbacks of them as a family or something establishing them more because through flashbacks, you could have gave Whitney some more characterization, more yeah, likability. So when we get back to her, it's been so long and I just don't care about her. But maybe if you. Maybe sympathize with her by showing and showing, showing her, me her car- caring for her mom. And also that would help remind us that, hey, she is in this movie. Yeah, pretty much. I, All right. And so originally we, I put down eliminate. This time I didn't really eliminate anyone. Instead, I would rather change that uh, Jenna is the final girl instead of Whitney. Yeah, so I agree with that 100%, but I take it a step further and I say eliminate Whitney from the movie. She died in that opening scene. Clay is here to find her, but nothing changes if he finds her corpse. He finds her, she's dead. He's still stuck in the room with Jason. He still has to fight him off. Nothing changes. But he's now, he's now has a responsibility to protect Jetta. 
So you still have that dynamic. Get rid of Whitney altogether. She's not needed. They had, Jenna had to die for Whitney, and I didn't think the movie built that up. She didn't earn that right to die at the end. So, Especially since Danielle Panabaker is definitely the better actress, in my opinion, of her and Whitney. But then again, all, Whit- all the actors that Whitney did was Scream. Yeah, and I've only seen them in this movie, but in this movie I thought she did a better job. So, so final thoughts. A two. Oh, I'm supposed to actually give the reason? I'll explain your two. I'm pretty sure I gave the reason throughout the entire episode. Um, anyway, so Still two. So the two is mainly, it's a fu- it is a fun film. It's definitely fun. The first 20 minutes is definitely the best part of the movie. The kills are definitely not what you're used to when it comes to these Jason films. Because honestly, besides part seven, Jason was really just a one-note character when it comes to kills. Most of them just happen to be with a machete. Part 7 had him with a lot of different stuff. But still, all the kills were quick. In this one, they were imaginative, and they were pretty gory. One of them was actually fucking frightening if you were put in that situation yourself. And then you got Jason being just this big, hulking mass of monster. The music made it for an incredible back backing to the movie itself then you got the actors they did a good job however the reason i give it a two because i just loved on the movie so much is it's definitely a throwaway movie a lot of people when they say they want to watch friday 13th there no one really thinks of the 2009 they all think of the original most of them only think of part six or part four or part four so throughout throughout thinking about how where I'd put this movie in a ranking, this movie is definitely a two out of four. I think that's fair. And yeah, this movie is funny, you're right. It's not a bad movie by any stretch, but I think the Friday thirty the audience is kind of split on it basically. It's not hated on. Nobody like looks at this like as how nightmare fans look at the nightmare remake. Mm-hmm. It's not shit on or just considered a terrible movie. Nobody considers it the worst in the series. But it never comes up when people talk about, like, what are your top couple favorites to watch? You're right. You, you hear part four. You hear part six. Surprisingly, I think Jason Takes Manhattan is starting to take a turn towards becoming more popular and loved, actually. People are starting to revisit that. And Just because of how ridiculous narrative. it is. I, I've always said that the bad, as bad as it is, it's, it's, that one's probably one of the most rewatchable ones you could watch. So... Um, yeah, this movie... Up until the end. Yeah, the reason... You know, to add on what you're saying, the reason it's a throwaway is because basically it's just... Essentially just borrowing pieces of the other movies and trying to give you a, a summary of the first four movies for, like, a new audience. So, technically, if you've already seen the first four movies, you're not getting anything new here. Um, it's just encapsulating what happened in the first four movies and trying to give you the best bits, basically. So, it doesn't add anything new to the series... It's a different Jason. I mean, Jason's basically Predator. He's the best hunter of all time. Um, it goes in a different direction a little bit. Um, the good, I would say the middle part of the movie is a lot of fun. When Jason is killing off all the kind of the side characters, it's a lot of fun. And the opening is great as well. Um, the ending I didn't like. Like I said, I don't like the character of uh, what's-her-face. Um, Whitney. I don't like the character of Whitney. Um, I, so... Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with a two as well. I think it's not the worst in the series, not the best in the series. 
it's just kind of there. Yeah, it's kind of like well, as with all remakes, it's kind of unnecessary. I think this movie would have done better actually just to have gone gone full on. We're a sequel. Remove that first thing about his mom getting killed. Have him already have the mask, or have him keep the sack the entire time, which you can fit in the timeline if you. I think maybe if you, if, especially if you do Sackhead Jason, you can fit it as like being between part one and two maybe. Or he has the mask and this is just a sequel to Jason Goes to Hell. I think the thing that brings it down is just that it's embraced as a remake. As if it was just a sequel, I think actually people would rank it a lot higher, honestly. It just has that remake feel where it's like, oh, he's getting the mask and they're recapping everything again. It's so... Not a bad movie. Fun time. Um, It's the writers of Freddy vs. Jason wrote this. So they clearly stepped up their game from when they did Freddy vs. Jason. And it's the director who did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which is actually a pretty good remake. So the movie looks beautiful. It's well shot. Um, I think the only reason... But the characters are stock. Stereotypes, cliches like crazy. And I do not buy them as a friendship group at all. So the only reason the... Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake worked so well is because Jessica Biel. She was amazing in that, acting-wise. Yes. Yeah. Not because they redid the butt shot that they did in the original. No. No, it was just a well-done... It was the first of the, the big remakes, and it had that sort of... Um, at the time, that kind of look of it still was appealing. By the time they got that Nightmare remake, that super serious look was no longer appealing. <laughs> it was just annoying by the time they had Nightmare. But back in 2003, when you first saw it in Texas, you're like, ooh, this is a gritty, a gritty remake. But then they tried to do that with everything because everything was a gritty remake and ended up being a shitty remake. So, anyways, uh, yeah, it's not the best series, not the worst series. It's not New Beginning, but it's not Part 6. It's somewhere in the middle. So, uh, two stars. And with that, I'm going to two-star out of the fuck out of here. You all have a good night. And remember, puppies are cute and fluffy. Happy belated Friday the 13th.